Welcome to All Bases Covered, uh, where if you want sports, we got you covered. Uh, it is a Monday show. We're pretty psyched. We had Selection Sunday yesterday, so uh, the whole first probably 15, 20 minutes of the show is going to be dedicated to the March Madness Tournament. Uh, we got a lot of lot to uncover today, a lot of free agent signings, a lot going on in the world of baseball, so it's going to be... Um, Man, it's, it's, we got a pretty jam-packed show, so we're going to kick things off, man. How are we doing today, Sam? You know, it's a Monday, bro. Yeah, yeah, we got a case of the Mondays. Uh, um, all right, so we had the tournament revealed uh, last night. Uh, the brackets were revealed. We had Dabba A couple Dabba. of surprise uh, moves in, in, the, in the bracket, yeah? What's that? A couple of surprise moves in the bracket, right? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Are you talking about, like, overall seating-wise? Yeah, overall seating-wise. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I You know, a little bit, maybe. I, I don't really think any teams were really that badly underseeded, although I did think Iowa kind of got jobbed being a number five seed and they played for the Big Ten title. Um, I thought maybe they should have been, a little, like, a three seed, possibly. Um, Virginia Tech getting in at an 11 seed uh, after winning the ACC tournament. Uh, but we have our four number one seeds of Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas. Baylor, of course, is the defending national champion. Gonzaga was the runner-up last year. So um, looking at this bracket here, I'm going to dive into a couple big upsets that I see happening in the first round. Um, I don't know if um, – same you've had a chance to take a look at the brackets uh there's there's a lot of upset potential in in this bracket especially early i think uh vermont is a prime upset candidate for arkansas uh i think chattanooga can pull the upset off illinois another 13 seed i think uab is gonna uh be a 5-12 matchup that upsets houston um i think whoever wins the Rutgers-Notre Dame matchup um, Tuesday for the, the first four is going to – whoever wins, it doesn't matter if it's Rutgers or Notre Dame, I think either one of them is going to beat Alabama um, in the in the first round. I think Michigan's taking out Colorado State. Um, we have a couple more big upsets, I, or at least I, I have this in my bracket. I think Virginia Tech is taking out Texas um, in the first round. And then I actually have Virginia Tech – beating Purdue and making their way to the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. Um, I got Memphis, the number nine seed, advancing to the Final Four uh, and beating Gonzaga in the second round. Um, and I have uh, I have um, Virginia Tech in the Final Four as an 11 seed. I would say that's, you know, um, all your upset picks are pretty, I mean, they're pretty stable. I mean, I, they're not crazy, you know, takes. Um, there are all possibilities that may happen. But what I do think is that, that Virginia Tech might be riding a little bit of a Cinderella type of thing, you know? Yeah. Which I think is good. It's good momentum for them. They they won the ACC, right? So it's momentum that they're probably going to pull into a tournament. I think so, too. And, and you know what's crazy? In the last 10 years, a, a seed – ranked seeded eighth or lower has made the final four in the last 10 years. Wow. Um, uh, then, um, you know, the overall number one seed has not 
made it to um, let's see. Has, let me pull this up here. Uh, the overall number one seed has not won the title since 2013, which is Louisville. Um, most times, um, most times those those overall number one seeds uh, struggle to make it out of the first weekend. So, you know, what's funny uh, that you mentioned that because I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine and we were kind of talking the same thing and we we're actually talking a little bit similar along the lines of like momentum and juice and things of that nature. But, you know, we were talking about luck. So he's been writing like this, this crazy win streak on betting <laughs> on NBA games. And I'm like, listen, man, you don't want to use up all your luck now go easy for a bit and then you know as soon as the playoffs start you can start going heavy you know but that kind of rings true along with some of these number one seeds right if you use up your juice during the regular season and the first couple of rounds of the tournament even if you do make it really deep right um the other guys probably have better momentum coming in so the underdogs actually they they work out pretty well i would say in this scenario yeah well, another thing about the underdogs, and this is a, a lot of things, a lot of stat, or not stat, I guess a, a fact that a lot of people don't realize, is these mid-major teams, these teams that are rated like a 12 seed, 11 seed, 13th seed, 14th seed, um, a lot of these teams, they got guys that are juniors and seniors that have all been playing together for two or three years, whereas a lot of these other teams have a lot of one-and-done guys or guys that are like freshmen and sophomores. And I'll tell you what, that makes a big difference. When you got guys out there that have been playing together for a couple of years and guys that are three, four years deep in this, you know, playing NCAA basketball, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Um, but, you know, when is the last time Calipari's uh, squad has been relevant, like, in the tournament? I mean, it's very – Because he has, a, full, he has a, a, a team full of one and dones, right? Always, because, yeah, actually, Kentucky is very good this year. Kentucky is expected to make a Final Four run this year. But, I mean, his teams are all always relevant. I mean, last year they had a shit season, okay? And 2020, the 2020-2021 season, it was a COVID year. These guys, uh, he didn't have a lot of talent on that team. Or he had a lot of talent, but just it didn't gel together. And then the year before that, in 2019-20, the NCAA tournament was canceled. And the team that his team was 25-6 and six that year. But the last time his team played in the tournament was 2018-2019, and they made the Elite Eight. So, you know, he hasn't won – he hasn't made a Final Four since 2014-15. That was the Carl Anthony Towns team. That was 38-1. and one. Uh, But they usually perform – Really but but that that goes back to your saying, like like if you go up against a uh, you know a, a team that has juniors and seniors that are you know it, you would probably say that they're better equipped for a game plan than a bunch of freshmen, right? I would say so. I mean, talent can win out, but if you have experience and you play a good game, I mean we we've seen it before in the tournament. These these schools the these these smaller schools, they go deep in the tournament sometimes because they're just because they play really good team basketball, right? They do. And for these small schools, what people don't realize is this. These schools like Vermont and Chattanooga 
and Longwood and Loyola Chicago. These schools have to win their conference tournament to get in. They're not coming from these these conferences that send three, four, five teams to the tournament. They have to win their conference tournament. And we've seen before where I've seen schools that are like 26 and 7, right? And they're like 13 and 3 in their conference, but then they lose in their conference tournament in like the semifinals or the finals. And, they don't and they're play. out. And they're and they out, don't right? And they don't play tournament, yeah. And so these guys are playing pressure basketball for a month basically already before the NCAA tournament even starts. And then they get to the tournament, and it's like they're playing with house money. And I'll tell you, Memphis is a team that scares me. Uh, and if I was uh, in Gonzaga. And they're well-coached as well. They're well-coached. Well but Gonzaga's got to be hating the fact that they potentially draw Memphis in the second round. Memphis struggled. Yeah, that could be a huge upset for, for – uh, for Memphis, right? It would be, and I, I have Memphis actually pulling that upset off. Memphis was a preseason top ten team. Then they had guys uh, that got hurt. Then they had a bunch of their star players who weren't really playing team basketball. They were kind of playing for themselves. Uh, but, but Penny Hardaway's turned it around, and he's got them buying in. And they are deep, and they are talented. And they got Jalen Duran, who is a 6'11 freshman who who plays a lot like Kevin Durant. He, he feels like a young Kevin Durant. They had a top four recruiting class come in this year. So they're was very, Durant a one and done, or was he two years in when he played Kevin for Kevin Durant uh, was a two-year player. No, one-year player. Sorry, Kevin Durant only played one, one season. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Memphis has a lot of talent. Gonzaga's got talent too, but I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna fail to make it out of the first, out of the first weekend. And do you think that's because they're losing some of their? I mean, tell me exactly what you over out coached. Um, you know, just talent wise. No, you know what it is is it's it's honestly they're very good. But the overall number one seed, history tells us that they tend to lose um, before making it past the Sweet 16. Um, And and we haven't had an overall number one seed um, make it to win the national title since 2013. And Gonzaga was the overall number one seed last year, and they were the runner-up. But Gonzaga has a much more difficult path this year to let's just say they beat Memphis. Then you're possibly running into Duke at some point, who's at the bottom of the bracket, a tough Texas Tech squad, Michigan State, possibly if they upend Duke. So Gonzaga's got a decently difficult path, but not as difficult as Arizona, which I want to talk about them real quick. Arizona, who I have losing – in the Elite Eight, although I'm, I'm iffy picking them there. I, I almost want to have Arizona losing earlier than that. But there has been you, th- not- you think things are going to unravel earlier in that time frame? Well, because they have a first-year head coach, the first time being a head coach, they have a young team. But here's another stat here for you. Top two seeds and top ten in the AP poll, which Arizona is the, uh, which Arizona is the second best 
they're, they're the number one seed, but the second overall seed in the tournament, and they're top ten in, in, the, uh, in the poll. Entering the season unranked, have seen of those times. None of them have ever made the final four. Zero have ever made the final four. This is since 1985. So if they were, if you were unranked entering the season and then you entered the tournament as a top two seed and top ten in the poll, three of those teams lost in the first round, 15 lost in the second round, and eight lost in the Sweet 16. Only seven made it to the I mean, so you're basically telling me that they're on racks for a reason. What's that? They were on ranks for a reason. No, coming no, in. no. All I'm saying is Arizona had didn't have much hype because they had a brand new head coach. They lost a lot of talent to the NBA, they, but they've come together. They have a very good team. They have an excellent team. But what history says is if you start the season unranked and you become a top two seed on the way to the tournament, you don't make it to the final four. So in a lot of these, almost 50%, nearly 50% of the teams lose in the second round. But I have a hard time picking either Seton Hall or TCU to upend Arizona. I could see them losing in the Sweet 16, but with the way I have the bracket playing out, I don't see it happening. But, no, not Arizona's a good team. It's not that they were unranked for a reason. It's just that history shows that teams that start the season unranked that that have a great season usually disappoint in the tournament. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, last, another stat here for you: Baylor, who's the defending national type, uh, the defending national champion. Okay. Um, since the, the the Florida Gators were the last team to repeat, and that was 15 years ago. No defending champion has advanced past the Sweet 16. Worse yet, in each of the past four tournaments, they were all eliminated in the first or second round. So, if you're filling out your bracket, guys, I wouldn't have Baylor going very far. I currently have them losing in the Sweet 16 to UCLA, but as a uh, as someone who's been meticulous about this, your final four, I would maybe back up that plan a little bit. Um, last thing that that Florida that Florida squad that you mentioned uh, 15 years ago was that like uh, the Al Horford and Joe Joakim Noah, Corey Brewer. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They were loaded. Uh, let's see here, and then last last one here is and uh, where did we go? All right, so if you're filling out your bracket. I think for the next, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike. Uh, for the next couple of shows, let's give our own like bracketology. You know, you you know a lot about this stuff, so why don't you talk through the, the matchups and the brackets and and run a quick little segment? Okay, okay. Um, this, so real quick, a couple more stats here is uh, at least two number four seeds have have advanced to the Sweet 16 in eight of the past ten tournaments, but the two instances in which fewer than two number four seeds got there occurred in the past three tournaments. All four all four number four seeds have survived the first weekend on two occasions. Only three times have all elite eight participants been seeded fourth or better. 
In fact, there have been multiple teams seated worse than fourth in the Elite Eight in 19 of 36 years and in five of the past seven tournaments. So, and then here's the last one. Pick at least one double-digit seed to make the Sweet 16. At least one team. Is that your Virginia Tech pick? Yes, that is my Virginia Tech pick. Um, at least one team seated 10th or worse has advanced to the second week of play in each of the past 13 tournaments and 34 of 36 overall in the modern era. Era Last year, seeds made it to the Sweet 16. So my four... Yeah, the underdogs are bringing the juice, man. <laughs> they are, man. They really are. Um, I have... I have... Let's see. I have two... Uh, no, I'm sorry. I have three double-digit seeds making the Sweet 16. I have Rutgers or Notre Dame, uh, whoever wins that game in the play-in. Uh, I have Michigan, and I have Virginia Tech. Uh, so I have uh, three teams making it to – actually, four. I forgot. I have South Dakota State making it to the Sweet 16 as well. So I have four. Any, any reason why South Dakota State makes the, the cut? I will tell you why right now. So South Dakota State, they got a first-round matchup against Providence, and then if they win that, they would face the winner. Hey, Providence is pretty highly touted. Do you think they're going to get past Providence? They are, and I'll tell you why here. The Jackrabbits are one of only two teams in the country, Murray State the other one, to go undefeated in their conference and win their conference tournament. So that means they're really good in their competition that they have during the regular season. They leave the country in field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. They okay? take very smart shots. Yes. Six players have knocked down at least 35 three-pointers. Holy um, hell, they're in trouble. They got led shooters. By, led, yeah, led by <laughs> a point guard who shot 48% from three-point range. 48% from three-point range. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. They also, okay, although their defense is a big weakness, okay, and is outside the top 200 in both two- and three-point field goal defense. Okay, so defense they kind of struggle on. The Jackrabbits have a pair of, of quadrant two wins, um, and they don't have any bad losses. And they haven't lost since mid-December. This was since mid-December, okay? Now, the teams that they would be going up against, uh, namely in the first round, okay, namely here Providence, all right? Providence. Um, has really good uh, wins, but they have they play really tough close games. Okay, they don't blow anybody out. Okay, um, they have several upperclassmen, but they don't have um great shooting on the Providence side. So South Dakota State could pull the upset there. Then they would potentially face. So you're saying that their offense is gonna overpower their lack of defense. I think so. I think so. And then if they make it past Providence and they play Iowa, Iowa has been on a hot streak. But they do for a loss, you're saying. But Iowa doesn't rebound well, and Iowa is also bad defensively. They're 260. So they're two good, really good matchups for South Dakota State is what you're saying. Exactly, exactly, which is why I have them in the Sweet 16, but I think South Dakota State bows out to Kansas in the Sweet 16. So I, I do think if South, if South Dakota State, they can go on a run. Um, I really I really believe that. Um, 
honestly, I feel like Murray State could go on a run if they didn't have to, if their draw wasn't so bad. They, if they beat San Francisco, who's a good team, they would potentially have to face Kentucky in the second round, and that's it's not a good matchup. That's a nightmare matchup for them. Yeah. yeah, it's a bad matchup for Murray State. Otherwise, I think I would have Murray State going pretty deep, but um, but they, unfortunately they have a they have a bad draw, and Kentucky's got a very good team. Um, so, um, they, and, and Kentucky is led by National Player of the Year candidate Oscar. Tish, uh, I wish I could pronounce his name, but Tshebwe. Um, he's a six foot nine uh, forward. He averaged seventeen points and fifteen rebounds a game. Holy hell! At twenty-seven double doubles this season. He is. One of <laughs> that's the pretty much all the games, isn't it? Yeah. What's that? I said that's pretty much all the games, isn't it? Yeah. Almost. Much. Um, he, the, the strategy is to try to get him into foul trouble, but this guy is only fouled out once this season. That's it. So, I think Kentucky, if Murray State – Is he a freshman? What's that? Is he a freshman? No, I think he's like a junior. He's a transfer from West Virginia. He transferred in. He's got to be going to the NBA, no? Probably after this season he's going to the NBA, for sure. For sure, 100%. But, uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's that's our bracket for now. Uh, the playing, We have playing games Tuesday and Wednesday. The tournament starts in full on Thursday. It'll be a great day sunshine it's gonna be like 72 degrees here in cincinnati i can't wait i'm gonna have i'll be working that day but i'm gonna have the games on in the office while i work away uh maybe enjoy a nice cold beer as well on thursday so i'm, I'm pretty excited for that. i'm pretty excited sounds good sounds good things to kick off all right so um going on to baseball real quick we've had a lot of big news perhaps the biggest news of the day is San Diego Padres star shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. needs to have surgery on his wrist and will be out three months. And they just paid him a Brinks truck buttload of money. Yep. And now the reason this is just now breaking is because of the lockout. And no, the, Oh, so this happened earlier. It's just that they couldn't communicate with the organizations. Is that what it was? Correct. Correct. So three months uh, for Tatis being out with a fractured wrist is terrible news. And it's also terrible news for fantasy players. He started off the season really rough, right? It is. I mean, he's not due back until probably close to June. And if you drafted him number one overall in fantasy leagues before this news broke out, you are really in uh, trouble right now because he's not looking like he's coming back at least until June. Um Maybe maybe the end of May, but highly doubtful. Highly highly doubtful. Even May, now that they've you know kind of condensed the season with the lockout ending, they've deducted you know what is it 162 games. He's still going to how many games? How many games? It's always 162. That's a full. Oh, so sorry, I take that back. So how many has it been cut down to? Not not. They're playing a full hundred and sixty. Oh, they're playing a full season now. Oh, they're yeah. just shorting the timeline between like Correct. spring training Correct. and all that other stuff. Correct. Season's gonna get started a little late, but they'll condense, you know, off days and whatever. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, are you do you think that the lockout has put more stress now physically on the baseball players to play the 162 games in less days? 
Maybe, but it's baseball, man. Like, you know, there's certain positions you're just standing out there waiting for the ball to get hit to you. Like, and if you're a pitcher, you pitch every five days anyways. I, 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 some of these times. But, like, I, a, a player like Tatis, right? Like, yeah. he, he has to play every game. He's at that position, right? No, he's shortstop, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't. Everybody gets days off. Like, I'll tell you what, I bet you, I, without pulling it up yet, I'm looking at it right now. I'm about to pull it up right now. But I bet you Fernando Tatis probably played 138 games last year. If I oh, so guess. he definitely took time off. Uh, last year, he played in 130 games. Oh, he took, he, he took off 32 games. Yeah, 32 games. Uh, you know, I think he had one little injury stint on the DL. But, like, these guys, they take they get days off. They'll they'll sit out. Especially a star is what you're saying, right? What's that? Especially a star, right? Especially what a you're star, saying. yeah. It's like load management almost for some of these guys. Since I, when did that start in baseball? I wanted to actually ask you. Like, I know I, pitching – I know pitching kind of has evolved into that load management strategy, I'd say, last 10 years maybe. Um, yeah. But, like, as far as the other players, the other positional players, when did their load management really start happening? 10 to 12 years. Same same time frame, you're saying? About 10 to 12 years. Like, if you look at Joey Votto, who's been on the Reds for forever, okay, He played. He's only played 162 games three times: 2011, 2013, 2017. But I will say this: he's had 2015 and 2016. He played 158 games in each year. Then he played 145 in 2018. Yeah, that's that's pretty close. You know, if you're talking in the 150s, high 140s, you're almost playing a full season. But more often than not, how do you get players? Uh, do you get star players that are playing 125 games, 120, 130 games a year? It's not. It's honestly. It's. I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to think of another player. Like, give me Trout's numbers. Give me Harper's numbers. Okay. Well, Mike Trout was hurt last year, so if we don't count last year, who he only played in 36 games, 53 in 2020. But that's everybody because it was a shortened season in 2020 due to COVID. But in 2019, he played in 134, 2018, 140, 2017, 114, 2000. You'd have to go back to 2016, the last time he played, and he played in 159 games in 2016. Yeah, so you can obviously see that as soon as the organization realizes that they have a franchise player on their hand, they start easing back on having him go 100% X amount of games. But I just think it's stupid. Guys like Cal Ripken Jr. played every day. Guys like, you know, if you go back, I don't know. It's it's baseball to me. Baseball, it's yeah, it's a long season, man. But that 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 sport is probably compared to hockey and football and basketball, it's the least physically taxing. Wouldn't you agree? No, absolutely. And then I see that you're playing 162 games, but you also have training to get conditioning you have you know other team activities you have time to heal you, you know how often i know double headers are hard to play possibly right not possibly definitely they're hard to play right but how often do you get those double headers you know very few i mean it depends on if there's a that's a, it's a, that, that double header is equivalent for a basketball player to play a back-to-back 
you know. Yeah, in basketball, you're playing, you know, let's say you, they play 48 minutes in the NBA game, and most stars play about 38 to 40 minutes That's a game. That's now, but I'm talking about, like, Kobe, even Michael Jordan. They would play 42 minutes, yeah. 40 minutes, you know, 40-plus. Always. Yeah, so th- and they're running back and forth. Meanwhile, in a doubleheader, by the way, in a doubleheader, they're not playing the game back-to-back. So the doubleheader, a game might start at like 12, get over at 3, and then the next game doesn't start till 6 or 7. Got it. Got it. So you have, still have some time in between, is what you're saying. You have some time in between in the clubhouse to relax. Um, I don't know if anybody's if anybody leaves the stadium, I don't think they do, but if they, they, they probably lay down somewhere in the stadium if they wanted to, to relax for a couple hours. And then, like I said, if you play in the outfield, you might go to – You're standing around for two games at back-to-back. What's that? You could be standing around for two games back-to-back. Pretty much, yeah. You might go two or three innings without a ball being hit to you. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think athletes today, everybody wants to say they're bigger, stronger, faster. I think they're – Bigger, stronger pussies, in my opinion. <laughs> uh-huh. I have to agree with you on that. But, like, you know what? I, I, I think the the load management part on, like, positional players is not as relevant as it is to pitchers in MLB. But in pitchers, I think the pitchers get more scrutiny as to – because they already have, like, hey, you know, I'm pitching today. The next time I'm going to pitch is maybe six days from now or seven days from now. Or maybe not, not even then, you know. Five days, usually five days. If you're a starter, uh, there's four, there's five man rotations. So if you pitch on like Monday, the next time you'd probably pitch is like Saturday. Okay, so regardless, though, I'm saying that 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 pitcher that that goes again in five days, you yeah. know, he may be expected to go five and a half innings. You know, right? <laughs> that might right. be the game plan for the for the, his next, you know, startup. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Um, the Reds look like they're they're in salary dump sell mode as they've sent off. Uh, they they elected to let Wade Miley and Nick Castellanos walk. Uh, they traded Sonny Gray and Jesse Winker and Eugenia Soares. So it looks like the Reds are going into full sell now mode and rebuilding, which kind of sucks uh, for us Reds fans here because. We didn't really it's going to be a couple of a couple of seasons of toil, right? Oh, it's going to yeah. It might be more than that. Who knows? It depends on if any of their young prospects, you know, become how quickly they become good. So we'll see. But it's it's just disappointing when your team goes into fire sale mode. Um, but you know what's uh, funny? Uh, ever since I've been a Yankee fan, I've never seen a fire sale for the Yankees. <laughs> and you don't see, I mean, but you don't see fire sales for the big market teams. You never. You win. don't. It just doesn't happen, right? Yeah, for like the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Astros and some of these other big market teams, they have the capital to not do fire sales. Meanwhile, when you're a smaller market team, if you're kind of in this place where you're not really oh, a championship contender, but you're not terrible either. Sometimes the best thing to do is just unload your stars, see if you can get good young players in return that maybe in two or three years they're, they're, they're cornerstones of your franchise. Tampa Bay is very good at doing this. Tampa Bay is very good at having a farm system, keeping guys around for a little while, and then kind of selling it off, being bad for two or three years, and then those young talents 
they come up. Right now, Tampa Bay is on the upswing. They have good uh, players. They're expected to compete for the uh, division. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago when they sold off, like, Evan Longoria and a bunch of other guys. And then they uh, and, and then they got Young Count, which helped them in their World Series run a, a few years ago. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Reds there. Uh, I mean, you have to – but you, when you look at big market and small market teams, it's a completely different animal, right? You're paying – I mean, I paid – Two hundred plus dollars for Yankees tickets in the nosebleeds, like that's ridiculous. And I'm still pay- paying nine dollars for a Bud Light. So, right. I mean, there's a completely different, you know, spectrum of financial flexibility. Whereas the small market teams don't have that ability to do that. Well, no, I mean they're they're not going to charge tickets like that. But it's also the Yankees. I I I, I kind of wonder. If the Yankees, instead of having 27 world titles, had two World Series titles, if they would, and they weren't like the Yankees, right? If they would still be charging an insane price. Oh, absolutely not, 100. <laughs> you know what's crazy though? <laughs> what's nuts is that the Mets sucked forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> they were terrible, but yeah. their tickets were so overpriced for some reason, <laughs> you know. For some reason, they were over. I get it because Cubs tickets are pretty cheap. Uh, I can go to a Cubs game. I can go to Wrigley Field pretty easily. And, and they, they were good a little bit ago, but they haven't been good for a couple of years now. So, all right. Uh, why don't we go into uh, some fantasy basketball talk? So, uh, Sam, this is uh, your specialty. I My fantasy basketball team is atrocious, and I gave up playing – uh, a few weeks ago, in fact, I had a fire sale of my own where I traded away Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. So, why don't we uh, <laughs> do some uh, fantasy basketball talk? Hey, listen, man, I'll be honest with you. I am actually tanking myself. Uh, you know, I've I've been on uh, a little bit of a, an L streak before I just caught a, a win out of nowhere. I'm playing teams that, you know, have too much talent on their hands. So, let me give you the rundown of what I have. And, and I can't even tell you how. Uh, it is that I am, uh, you know, 10 and 9 in, in this league, and that's by chance, by, literally by chance, right? Because everybody's been day-to-day or out for me, right? So I thought I'd find a, a diamond in the rough. I had Anthony Simmons, Simons, you know, uh, he paid off in spades week after week, but now he's out for two weeks. So, you know, he, you know that's, that's a, a, a loss on my part. But if you have uh, Josh Giddy. Or G'day. I don't know how however you pronounce yeah, him. You know, right. um, you, you should probably grab him because he's about to come back. You know, okay. if he, you know, he, he's going to come back. If he's not, if he's available, grab him. I have Harden. I have Lamelo Ball. I have Bridges. Um, uh, you know, from from Phoenix. I have Michael Bridges from from Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, I have Andrew Wiggins, who's been in and out. You know, Kate, Christoph Porzingis has paid off. As he, I sat on him forever. Forever, he had this like twenty-game absence because of his knee. I think for myself, you know, for you guys that are out there, fantasy basketball guys, you know, um, if you're looking to pick up somebody that is uh, consistent but but inconsistent at the same time, Kobe White from Chicago actually is averaging uh, about twenty-five points a game. He's only twenty percent rostered. He still is playing about twenty-eight minutes a game. Um, and while Zach Levine is out, you know, sideline with his knee, White's going to have to step in with some offense, right? Something. DeMar DeRozan, you know, 
uh, Vucevic, you know, those guys can't do it all on their own. At some point, someone else is going to have to step up, and he has stepped up in the past. He's had a 30-point game. He's had a 15-19. He's had a couple of really good games, you know, fantasy-wise. If he's available, you know, and you need a position at your guard, grab him. The other guy who's coming off of IR, or not IR, but off of, off of an injury is Isaiah Stewart. So Isaiah Stewart is supposed to come back. He's been absolutely phenomenal all year. He's about 60% rostered, and he's getting about 25, 26 minutes a game, and he's putting up about 23 points per game, you know, fantasy-wise. Okay, you're not going to get you 40s. You're not going to get – you know, I got really lucky because I have Robert Williams, the, the third, yeah. and he's been absolutely monstrous. He's giving me 50-point games. He's giving me 60-point games. You know, I have Jimmy Butler. Again, Jimmy Butler has been out pretty much all year. I have a really good squad. Mo Bamba is also another player on my team. Mo Bamba has been great all year round. Most of the year because Miami is the number one seed right now in the East. Mo Bamba, is, Mo Bamba is a great, great, you know, player, you know, for for teams that need – he's averaging t- almost 30 points a game, fantasy-wise. Okay. So, um, I'm trying to make a push. I have Jamal Murray sitting on my bench. And you know what? My Who's been my spade the last couple of, you know, weeks or so? It's been Jalen Green from Houston. Jalen Green has put up absolutely monster numbers the he's last t- couple of games. Coming around, people were trashing him early in the season because he was struggling a lot, but he has really, really come Turned up. it around, dude. He, he dropped a thirty point, a couple of 30-point games to Lakers. You know, um, it, 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 look, it, it, it's a very young squad. I know it's, it's reliant on Christian Wood, a couple other things happening, but he's the focal point of the offense if you look at it. You know, yeah, no, he's the most, he, most athletic, you know, uh, player that they have, I think. I think Houston hit that one. I think they they did pretty good in that. And then, you know, with these teams, if you're going to suck for a while, it, it, like let's say three seasons, you gotta hit, you gotta hit on your lottery. Your draft picks, right? And and considering you only have two rounds, right? Exactly. NBA draft is only two rounds. You have to hit. That's why Oklahoma City got so good early because they hit on Durant and Westbrook and Harden and Serge Ibaka. And and if you have, especially if you have multiple first round picks like a rebuilding team should, you 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 have a chance. And now Houston has a chance to add to. Uh, they're going to have a top five pick more than likely, and it looks like they're probably going to. Land possibly uh, the kid out of Duke, Paolo Banchero. Yes, I really like him, man. Or or possibly uh, Keegan Murray out of Iowa. Uh, or both good picks, I think. Or if he drops down, possibly Chet Holmgren uh, from Gonzaga, who currently. I don't think he'll drop, man. They're saying he's probably going to go to Detroit, but we'll see. Um, uh, but man, I'll tell you what, Houston, if they get Paolo Banchero. I think adding him with Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood, like, you know, I mean, the Rockets are still going to be a few years away from contending. But but you have very young players to take you there, right? Yes. And then I wonder about the Thunder, who are sitting on a treasure trove of picks. I mean, they are – Oklahoma City and, and Sam Presti – Hits in the draft. Hey, listen, can I tell you something? Uh, yeah. Sam Presti is going to hit on his rookies, but no star is going to come to OKC now. No, you're right. You know? 
You're there's no major top five, top seven star that will come to OKC now at this point. They have to rebuild. That's the only way to build stars. And I think that by having SGA, they've kind of done that. SGA is great, dude. He's very good. and they He's also so got, good. And then they also got uh, another uh, another player who uh, is uh, playing uh, – playing pretty good and that's um Kendrick Williams who's young or yep. not young yep. 27 uh but they got a pretty good team I mean they have jo- they have they have Josh their rookie you know the rookie again yes yeah. he's injured now but he for the majority of the season he played great yeah, and he's great. only 19 Giddy's only yes, 19 and he's so young he's so young so OKC has a great chance to build uh you know to literally start a foundation you know what if you can get a homegrown star that becomes like an all-star, right? All of a sudden, then you have the ability to pull in another star, right? Well, kind of. But Oklahoma City, you know, they tried. They tried after Durant left. They got they swung the trade for Paul George, which surprised everybody. They no, but – Russell Westbrook. And that yeah, that didn't good. work. That didn't work. Riding Chris Paul, and they were supposed to suck, but yet the Thunder still somehow made it to the playoffs that year. Do you remember that? When, uh, when yeah. Yeah, 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 and Chris Paul, Chris Paul, like, I can't believe that Chris Paul at that that age on that team was doing what he did. Ridiculous. So, so real quick before we move on here, I want to tell you here. Here's what Oklahoma City is sitting at right now. They have Detroit's first round pick this year, same as, as well as the Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. So they have three first round picks now. Granted. Clippers will probably be in the back. yeah. They're, they're gonna see. They're gonna play. They're gonna see a lot higher. So so are the you know Suns, right? So you're gonna have a low low pick, right? Low pick, but still Detroit that'll turn into a top five pick. Yep, right. Absolutely. That'll, depending on the, how the lottery bounces. Then in 2023 they have their own first round pick. They have the Clippers. They have the Wizards. They have Denver's pick. In 2023, I still see those being. Uh, I mean, the Wizards being middle of the pack, Denver being lower, Clippers also being lower. I feel like unless unless Kawhi leaves up and leaves, then all of a sudden the Clippers pick might shoot up, right? But but then Thunder still have their pick, which the Thunder will probably be in next season. Oh yeah, so like, dude, the next year's draft they're gonna have like they might have three of the top five, yeah, top six picks. And then in 2024, after that, they have their own first-round pick. They have Houston's first-round pick. They have the Clippers' first-round pick. They have Utah's first-round pick. And that's and then that's it. And then they have the second-rounders. But we, I, regardless, even if those picks are in the back end, we've seen guys like Jimmy yeah, Butler. 100%. We've seen guys like Kawhi Leonard get picked in the middle to back Paul end. George, for that matter, right? So, And I trust – I trust – uh, what's his, what's his face? Um, Sam Presti. He's picked. He's hit on Reggie Jackson too. If we're talking not just Durant and Hart, uh, and Harden and Westbrook, but Ibaka, he, Jackson. Yeah, Stephen Adams. I would say he hit on Stephen Adams too. Stephen Adams. Yes, Stephen Adams is a great one. He is. He he is another great one. Uh, and then and then uh, here's another one he hit on. Um, let's see. Uh, well, he has a treasure trove of draft picks. So I, was, I was trying to find out. There was a couple other guys that uh, that um, he had picked that I thought had very good um, seasons. They're escaping me now. But the guy 
eyes down because honestly, when you're building an NBA team, yes, we all you want can't to- look look you can't look see the teams that are that are kind of contending are looking for immediate help. Believe it or not, if James Wiseman or like John Kuminga had gone to OKC, it would I think it would have been a different story to be honest with you. you no, know? um, yeah. because you know they would have gone a little bit more of the development route. Where here they're having this injuries and then sitting for development route is what's happening. Players that are way better than you. Bottom line. Okay. Um, you know, or here's here's a look at some of the other. Uh, players that he drafted. Um, he drafted Eric Bledsoe, which he later traded. But he drafted Eric Bledsoe in 2010. Um, he drafted, uh, okay, he drafted Perry Jones, who didn't work out, but he was selected 29th in the in the 2012 draft. Um, but, man, this he, he, he selected Stephen Adams, like you said, um, that he Andre Robertson, who was a very good defensive player, right, now, until he had all those injuries. Yeah, but he, he was a pretty good. Um, uh, he he drafted Dort, didn't he? Uh, wasn't Dort one of his draft picks? Who's Dort? Dort is the guy that locked up Harden. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe. Um, no, he had to have. Okay, Here, I'll give you his full name. Give me a second. And then he uh, he also selected Cameron Payne in 2015. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. L- Lugens Dort. Okay, I don't know who that is. I've well, he's averaging that. 25 points this season before he had, like, a, a, a torn labrum, which means okay. the end of the season. So here here's his numbers for the year, this year, and he's 22 years old. Is 17 points. Oklahoma City right now? Yeah, he's on Oklahoma City right now. 22 years old, he, his, his season averages end at 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block in 32.6 minutes in 51 games played this season. Luke Gwendor, yeah. got it. I see him right there. Yep. Bro, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's really good defensively, too. He's the guy, a lot, he, he's the guy that, that, that OKC put on Harden when that, that, that uh, Chris Paul squad saw Houston in the playoffs. Okay. Very good, man. You got the NBA knowledge, man. I I, I don't watch a lot of NBA. See, I catch, like, you know what? I, I look at a lot. I, I read stats because it's helpful for, like, fantasy, but I also catch later games. So I'll catch a lot of West Coast games. I'll catch 9 o'clock games. I'll catch 10.30 games. Um, and that kind of – while you're watching the game, they give you a rundown of what's happened on the day, right? So you have a, an idea of kind of sort of what's happened, even if you missed a 1 o'clock game, right? Let's see here. Um, oh, it looks like your boy Dort was drafted in 2019. What? For second round, right? Obviously. Yeah. Second yeah. round. Actually yeah, not, good pick. He wasn't a draft pick. Uh, uh, oh, wow. He was a free agent signing that was signed to a two-way contract in 2019 and then played himself onto the roster. Yeah. I mean, look, again, Presti has those eyes for talent, yeah, right? He does. The guy's averaging 17 points a game. What do you, what else do you want of him? Yeah. He didn't even, he, he didn't even get drafted. Yeah. Seriously. Well, I'd say he's made it. I'd say he's done pretty well for himself. All right, we got about a little bit of 11 and a half minutes to go. So let's talk some NFL free agency. There's been a couple moves early. 
Um, so the Bengals have. I mean, obviously, you want to go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room. Brady on retires, right? Let's, well, let's get rid of that. Let's get rid of that right now while, while we can. No, that, that's uh, whatever. We knew he was going to retire. I, exactly. I, I, oh, by the way, I, I want to breaking news coming across the feed right now. Um, I just want to share this real quick and condolences to his family. Scott Hall has passed away at the age of. Seven. Yeah, no, I read earlier this morning. He had three heart attacks while going through surgery. It was, it was crazy. Forever yeah. remembered, man. Razor Ramon will forever be remembered. Complications that arose after hip surgery, a blood clot got loose, which um, um, caused which causes downfall, unfortunately. So, and you uh, know what? I have to give like Diamond Dallas Page like a lot of credit for helping guys like Jake the Snake. Yeah. Ramon, Scott Hall. I mean, uh, he's helped a ton of people, even Lex Luger, um, through like a yoga type of recovery method because their bodies have taken such a beating. And now that yeah. they've lost all their mass, it's hard to even carry that around for certain people. You know, I, I can't imagine how hard it is for Mark Henry and yeah. Big Show, you know, to, to carry around 50 year old bodies that are weighing collectively still like 800 pounds, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's tough, but like, damn, you know, for me, I still have my Razor Ramon like toy, you know, yeah. um, I still have that. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, I always loved him. I loved him in WCW. I loved him in every like possible way. Like his, 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 uh, his moves, uh, you know, his, his mic work, his, his, you know, uh, he was a, a technical wrestler to a certain point, but he was a really good tag team, you know, um, person as well. So, yeah, R.I.P. Man. Um, all right. So, real quick, going now back to uh, NFL football. Um, the Bengals made some uh, made some signings. They weren't the signings. Why do you always want to start talking about the Bengals? I'm just. I want to go. Yeah, under. yeah. Why don't man. you talk about the other stuff? I will be talking about the other stuff, but first I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about the Jets too, who made some moves, including signing Lake and Tomlinson, uh, which was a great sign. They re-signed Braxton Berrios, which is great for our dynasty fan, uh, fantasy team, uh, which means they must have a plan for Braxton Berrios. They thought they might let him walk, but they agreed to a two-year, twelve million dollar deal. Uh, they also signed C.J. Uzama. The Jets did uh, tight end from Cincinnati. So. Good on them, uh, but the Bengals signing Ted Karras as well as signing Alex Kappa from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so they bolstered the offensive line early. Um, now there's talk about uh, Jarvis Landry uh, also meeting with the Chiefs. So the Packers and the Chiefs appear to be the front runners for Jarvis Landry's services. Uh, he'd be great in Kansas City, too. He'd be great in Kansas City. Although, we've spoken about that before. They need a number two, right? They do. They do. Although I feel like they should have made – if all it was going to take was a fifth and a sixth rounder to get Amari Cooper, that's what the fucking Chiefs should have done. Oh, my God. They would have just coughed up those two picks. They yeah. would have had a 1B, actually, really, in certain scenarios. Like, I'll be honest with you, on jump balls, I'm not going to throw it to Tyree Kill. I'm going to throw it to Amari, Amari Cooper. Cooper. Right, right. In those yeah. cases, he's, he, he kind of surpasses Hill – on jump balls, on 15 yard, you're 15 yards away from the goal line, you're looking at plays for a bigger-bodied receiver, and that's Amari Cooper. Yep. Yes, you have Kelsey. Yes, you have, you know, 
um, you know, you're receiving backs, you know, but still you don't have that number one big boy that'll go in there. Like you're Mike Evans, you know, when you get to that distance, Brady's always looking for Gronk, Evans, guys that can get up and grab that and make it a touchdown. Um, not any like huge names yet. The big, the big name Toronto. Well, J.C. Jackson was a huge name. He signed with the Chargers. That was a Chargers are loading up, man. They are loading. loading up. They're trying to make a run now while they got Herbert on that rookie contract. So that's that's going to be big. Um, uh, some defensive signings, right? Some, Defensive signings, but the big one, the other big news is um, that the Colts made an offer for Deshaun Watson, and the Texans basically told him to fuck off. Um, is it because they're in the same division? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, so the Colts, you know, the Colts are in kind of a bad quarterback situation, although I do think where they're drafting at, they might be able to get one of the young players. But, man, but I – you, you, you still don't have a proven talent. You don't you know? have a proven talent. And it looks like Mitchell. And you don't have many years of JT's rookie contract either. No, you don't. And you honestly, you don't want to give rookie. You don't want to give running backs a second contract. Look exactly. at all. Exactly. Look, Every running back that's gotten a second contract has failed miserably. Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey hasn't been healthy since he signed his extension. He's been. He's played. There's a reason why Melvin Gordon was he wasn't given a second contract from the Chargers. They were like, yeah. he's out. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, at twenty-seven, they were like, "Peace out." Very few running backs do good once they've gotten paid. Ezekiel Elliott's a prime example of this. The Cowboys paid him out the ass, and he's he's not really the same player that he had that he that he was his first three years in the league. So wide receiver, and, and same thing would go. Now you come into your second contract with Saquon Barkley, which oh, is dude. why he was offered as a, as a package with Daniel Jones to the Texans. Let, let Saquon go, man. He's yeah, it's, it's gone. It's time to go. Yeah, I think yeah. it's time. It, you know what? And what's sad is that the Giants were giving their, their two first round picks back to back. Yeah, for Deshaun Watson, and they and and, and they were like, yeah, that <laughs> doesn't really move the needle. What do you think of Trubisky's second chance in going to Pittsburgh? Now he studied under Brian Dabble for a year, which I'm kind of surprised Trubisky didn't go to the Giants, where he would have possibly could have possibly usurped uh, Daniel Jones there as the starting quarterback. But now he's going to get a Pittsburgh. I don't think Mason Rudolph's going to be there. So it basically becomes a Dwayne Haskins, Mitchell Trubisky, two former first-round picks vying for that starting job. Uh, a lot of people are high on Trubisky now. They're saying that he, since he went to Buffalo and learned under Josh Allen, learned under Brian Dowd. That's all hearsay, though, right? Kind of different now I, yeah it is hearsay because he was terrible in Chicago man <laughs> he was he had one good year he had one good year in Chicago it wasn't even one good year though man. I know he was an alternate for the Pro Bowl <laughs> all right Mitchell Trubisky was uh was made it to one Pro Bowl so he's now matched Matthew Stafford's amount of Pro Bowl appearances <laughs> who's the Super Bowl winner by the way <laughs> yeah he's the Super Bowl winner uh, but, yeah, in Chicago, his best season, the one you speak of, 2018, he played in 14 games. He went 11-3 and as a starter. He had 24 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. He completed 67% of his That's passes. That's disgusting. I mean, 24-12 and 12 is like Jacoby Brissett numbers. And he threw for just 3,223 yards that season. 
Disgusting. He averaged 230 yards passing per game. Disgusting. you got to be 300 yards to be considered a good quarterback. Or close to it, like 275. 295, man. 280, 295. That puts you in the category to, to have a conversation, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Matt Ryan this past year, let's see. And he's old, right? He's 36 years old. And Matt Ryan still threw – for 234 yards per game, and he didn't have Calvin Ridley. Last, in 2020, he still he was still hitting 286, and in 2019, Matt Ryan was hitting 297. So this year, at 36, the Falcons with no nobody to throw to nobody with nobody with pitch still hit 233 yards passing per game. Yeah, this guy Trubisky is nothing close to Ryan. No, he this guy, you know, Matt Ryan. Everyone forgets he had multiple four thousand yard seasons. You know, oh, yeah, he, he oh, was dude. an MVP. He made the Super Bowl. Granted, he lost to Brady, right, for the, for that matter, but yeah. he was still relevant. You know, in his in his era. Hundred percent, Matt Ryan. I, I I don't know if Matt Ryan. If I think that he is a Hall of Fame, and he and he fell in such a bad position because he had to take over that Atlanta squad after, after Michael Vick. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Um. So, all right, now to your boy crush, Tom Brady, your favorite player. Um. We all know how much you, as a Jets fan, love Tom Brady. I don't love Tom Brady. I just want to get it over with. I wanted to fucking get it. Get, I wanted to have this conversation and end it. Uh, what do you What do you think? Why do you think he came back? As soon, as, I I think that as soon as the Bucks were like, let me go get Deshaun Watson. He's like, listen, man, why go after someone that is a complete horny bastard? You're gonna put him in Florida where it's absolutely available from tons of massage therapists, right? Let me get another shot at Super Bowl. He's innocent, man. Deshaun Watson. I know, I know, I know, I know. He's innocent. I know. I get that. I, I understand all that. But the civil suit still still pending. He's still paying some people out for doing something fucking stupid. I, I I don't know, man. If I'm Tom Brady, he never he didn't have that moment like Tom, like Peyton Manning, who looked like a shell of his former self, or like some of these other quarterbacks who, who hold on too long. Tom Brady, at his age, at his age, this past season, at 44 years old, threw for five thousand. 316 yards, 43 touchdowns, and just six interceptions. It is at 44 years old. Listen, listen. The, the age, absolutely, I will say, is 110% justified. But come on, man. You have, you know, a ton of talent on that Tampa Bay squad, okay. led by a great coach. Led by a great coach. It, 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 it's, it's recipe for success for Brady. If Brady was told to go back, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If Brady was said, listen, you know, forget Tampa Bay, it's over. They got Deshaun Watson. Do you want to go back to the Patriots? Do you want to go back to the Patriots? You know, he would say, hell no, I'll re- I'll stay retired. But even at 42 in his last season with the Patriots, he threw for almost 4,100 yards, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions with no talent. No talent around him at all. I'll say, I, I get that, but at this stage in his career, he needs Mike Evans. He needs Chris Godwin. He needs Leonard Fournette. He needs Ronald Jones. He needs Gronk. He needs all of that. 
point, yeah, but, but, but what I'm telling you is even – but those stats are still incredible because if you put Dwayne Haskins or Andy Dalton or some of these other quarterbacks as quarterback of Tampa, they're not coming anywhere near those numbers. I have to agree. That, I mean, the guy has seven rings. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else do you want from him? To go back to a loaded squad. Fine. Fine, but they're not going to be as loaded because there's no Antonio Brown. There might not be a Chris Godwin. That Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette might be both be gone, and he's lost. And he's lost now two of his offensive lines, and he's lost Kappa, and he lost uh, the other the the Moffitt, Ali Moffitt, gone, retired. Dude, so, just just watch Brady tell uh, the front office, "This is what I need. They're going to go out and get it." All right, let's see. We'll see what happens. I, I would, uh, you know, if they go out and they end up signing, you know, I don't know who's available, Allen Robinson, you know, for instance, or and or maybe going out and getting uh, getting him like Trent Brown. <laughs> maybe we'll see. But, I, you know, I, I, it's not – that Tampa Bay squad is not as loaded as it has been the last two years. That's all I'll say. But that's all the time we have, folks. Uh, I mean, he, they can go out and go, go steal Trent Williams as well. They, they want. They very might, well might. All right. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Oh, real, real quick, I was, before we get to our outro, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is also a possibility. Yeah. So is Von Miller. So is Von Miller, yep. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a great Monday. We'll be back here Friday. We'll talk uh, more March Madness on Friday. We'll have a partial uh, – and you know what? I, I want to since we've run over our time, <clears throat> our time limit. I might as well tell you that we will have a chronic corner this Friday. Excellent. We're looking forward to a chronic corner uh, coming up this Friday. All right. Thank you, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good night. <laughs>